Now here at City Church, we exist so that you can thrive no matter what you have faced in life. And that is why we're going through this series. The whole point of this series, unpacking what Jesus said about the abundant life, is to help you regain your vision that you really, really can thrive, that you don't have to settle for mere survival. You can thrive in life. And today we're going to unpack, unpack what Jesus said about the relationship that has the greatest potential to wreck our happiness. Now, according to medical studies, the number two cause of stress in our lives after the unexpected death of a loved one is divorce. Divorce causes more anxiety than financial crises, than moving, than losing a job, or even than facing a major illness. Going through a, a divorce, it sucks the happiness out of our lives and it leaves this lingering tension in relationships, as many of us know all too well. I witnessed the pain divorce causes firsthand one day when I had lunch with my sister. She told me that her first husband had been unfaithful and though she wanted to work things out, he did not. And the grief I witnessed on her face, it just gave me a glimpse of the depth of her pain. She was angry, she was hurt, and she was unsure about her future. And then to make matters worse, we grew up in a church tradition that treated divorced people like damaged goods. You know, almost like they had committed an unforgivable sin or something like that. And on that day, I just wanted to give my sister hope. Hope for her future and hope that the church would treat her with grace and compassion, not judgment and isolation. Now, most of us have witnessed the pain of divorce either you know, through our parents or maybe we went through divorce or maybe uh, that of a loved one. And the church should be a community where people find hope and grace. But too many times for divorced people, their experience of the church made them feel awkward at best and at worst condemned. I mean, instead of helping people heal from the pain of their divorce, the church often added insult to injury. And I believe that many well-meaning church leaders have added to people's pain because they have misunderstood the teaching of Jesus we're going to look at tonight and what he said about divorce. And so let me, let me set up the background so you'll understand what Jesus is addressing. Jesus felt compelled to address the divorce issue in his culture in his day. And so we need to unpack this Old Testament law that Jesus is going to clarify. Now, among the Jewish people in biblical times, so this is very important, only men could initiate divorce. And so God gave these laws, these divorce laws, to protect women from being mistreated by their husbands. And so what the law basically said is that you could only divorce your wife for a serious cause. And if you did that, you had to give her a writ or a certificate of divorce. Now, the only reason she would need that certificate of divorce is if she was going to remarry. And so God gave these laws to protect women and to guarantee that they had the right to remarry. 
But by Jesus' day, men had found loopholes in this Mosaic law. And so they, they were teaching each other that they could divorce for any and every reason as long as they gave their ex-wives this certificate of divorce. And so in essence, they were mistreating women with the law that God gave to protect women. And so, and this is very important, so to those men, Jesus spoke these words. This is Matthew chapter 5, verse 31. <clears throat> it has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. That's the Old Testament law. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, makes her the victim of adultery and anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Okay, so what does Jesus mean here? Now, many church scholars throughout the centuries have assumed that Jesus is saying that divorced people can never remarry, and if they do, they commit adultery. But I believe that is a huge misunderstanding of Jesus' teaching. If Jesus wanted to say, if you get divorced, you can never remarry. He could have said, if you get divorced, you can never remarry. But that's not what he said. Instead, he's using a figure of speech called hyperbole to make an exaggerated statement to emphasize something. And he's emphasizing that divorce is so serious, it should only be entered into for a very serious reason, not for just any reason. And so Jesus confronted these hypocritical men because many rabbis were teaching them that they could get divorced for any and every reason. As long as you give her a certificate, God's law said it's okay. And so Jesus was confronting this practice because Jesus saw how this practice was hurting women, ruining families, and it was dishonoring God. Now, why is Jesus' teaching here about divorce so important? Because if people got divorced for any and every reason, we would all bail out of marriage way too easily and way too early without doing the hard work that it takes to build a great marriage. Look, I've been married for 33 years. And I'm going to tell you something. Building a great marriage, it takes work. It doesn't just happen. You got to work at it. And it takes lots of grace. And lots of forgiveness and hard work and communication and commitment and stuff like that. And, and it's in the pursuit of that kind of relationship that causes us to thrive. You see, when you bail out too early, you miss out on the journey that is what leads you to thrive in life. I am becoming a better person because my wife and I are doing the hard work of building a great marriage. And I'll assure you, I am not easy to live with. Oh, you laugh. Just talk to my wife. She'll tell you. Mm -hmm. And here's the deal. That kind of marriage also is what helps our kids to thrive. Your kids need to see you do this hard work together. And so Jesus is just saying, look, man, don't bail for any and every reason. So then what, what is Jesus actually saying about remarriage here? How does a man divorcing his wife make her become a victim of adultery? There's only one way that could happen. Because Jesus assumed that both of them would get remarried. Jesus is not suggesting that divorced people cannot remarry. 
In fact, did you know we have the divorce certificates from the first century in Judea and Galilee? And every one of them has this phrase on it. You are free to marry any man. I mean, that's the only reason you needed a certificate. To show that you are free to marry any person. And I think it's important for us to recognize that Jesus makes a distinction here between the innocent spouse and the one who actually causes the divorce. In this case, the innocent spouse is the wife because as I said in first century law, they didn't have any say in the matter. The husband could divorce, the wife could not initiate anything. And this distinction is important because I know that many of you have been divorced, but it's not what you wanted. That's what happened to my sister. It's not what she wanted. And I think it's important to know that, that if that has happened to you, Jesus did not intend for his words to hurt you or cause you harm. If you'd like to study this more, my interpretation of this passage and the, the history behind it and the linguistics, you can get this book called And Mary's Another by Craig S. Keener. Because I know for some of you, you're, you're, you're wondering, okay, where did he get that from? Okay, it was a lot of study and a lot of work, and this guy's put it all together in a book. So anyway, you can check that out. But let me summarize Jesus' key teachings about divorce and remarriage from this passage. First, divorce does grieve God, and it should be avoided if possible. Second, divorced people, a divorce can take place when the sin is serious enough. And third, divorced people can remarry. Now, with these truths in mind, I'd like to talk about the implication of Jesus' teachings for us. So first, if you're watching online or watching over in the video cafe, you know, I welcome you to the services. I want to apologize to you as a church leader for those who have been hurt by the church. For many centuries, both Protestant and Catholic leaders have made divorced people feel like adulterers in the eyes of the church. And though I do understand how they misinterpreted Jesus' teachings, I still feel a need to apologize as a church leader. We were wrong. Please forgive us. And I cannot speak for all churches, but I can tell you that if you are divorced, you are welcome here at City Church. And I want to invite those of you that call City Church your church. The people who make people feel welcome are you. And I ask you to join with me to create a community of grace and compassion who welcome people who may be going through a hard time. Because when we do that, we help them heal. And if you're here and you're going through a divorce, you've been through a divorce, a divorce, I believe we can help you heal. So let me address some questions that sometimes come up with this uh, subject. Uh, how do I know if my reason for divorce is serious enough? So in, in first century Judea, Jesus saw one situation that he viewed as being serious enough to warrant divorce, and that was adultery, uh, sexual immorality. Uh, and, but as Christianity spread throughout the Roman Empire, we know that Paul witnessed, Paul was one of the early church leaders, he witnessed another issue or sin that he viewed as being serious enough to warrant divorce, and that was abandonment. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, uh, some of the couples, one spouse was abandoning the other, and Paul said, in that case, you are free to divorce so that you can remarry. 
And I believe if Jesus and Paul were living in our day, they would add to adultery and abandonment abuse. I don't think they had that kind of thing going on in their day. And I believe they would add abuse to the list of sins that are serious enough. So how do you know? I mean, how do you know if it's serious enough? I think it's important for you to talk with a, a believer that has wisdom and, and has a sense of, of spiritual things to get an outsider's perspective. And so like I remember receiving an email from a wife in, in our church who truly wanted to honor Jesus' teachings, but she felt confused. She told me that her husband abused her verbally, emotionally, and physically, but that she really wanted to honor Jesus' teachings. And she, you know, in one sense, she wanted to honor Jesus' teachings and try to stay connected, but in another sense, she wanted to get out of her suffering. And I talked about her situation with two of our other pastors, and we all concluded that not only could she, she should get out of that relationship uh, for the sake of herself and for her small child. And let me say to you, if your spouse is abusing you, that is serious enough to consider divorce. And I want you to know that we will stand with you in it. But I'm glad she asked for advice because I think it showed that she really cared about her relationship with Christ and she wanted to do the right thing not the easy thing. And so if you're considering divorce, you know, talk to one of our pastors. That's why we're here. We have, you know, 10 or 12 pastors on staff. We, we will do our best to, to help you understand and discern what's going on in that relationship. All right. Second question. What should I do if I am divorced or going through a divorce? So first, I would encourage you to test your own heart to see if there was any part that you played in the disintegration of the relationship. Even if your part was just a small part, I think it's always right to test your heart and to make amends where you can, just confess your sin. And if it's appropriate to do so to your ex or soon to be ex, confess your sin and ask for forgiveness. And I urge you to forgive your ex. If you don't, if you choose not to forgive whatever your ex did to you, whatever your ex said to you, you're going to hold on to bitterness and resentment, and that will keep you from thriving in life. Forgiveness is not for your ex's sake. It's for your sake. Forgive so you can move on. And so if you're facing the storm of divorce or if you're wading through its aftermath, don't go through it alone. Every Tuesday night, we offer community night where you can connect with a loving community who will walk with you and help you through difficult seasons in life. We also have a community, community care team, which includes our pastors and some of our trained licensed counselors who are prepared to meet with you. We have a pastor on call. I don't know if y'all know this. We have a pastor on call seven days a week, 365 days a year. They're there, they are ready, they are trained to serve you and help you in your time of need. But whatever you do, get the help that you need. Third question, <clears throat> what if I'm considering remarriage? If you are divorced, I just wanna make sure this is real clear, you are free to remarry in the eyes of Jesus and in the eyes of this church. But I would encourage you 
make sure you deal with your baggage, right? Whatever baggage that you may have brought with you from your first marriage. And this is why I say that. Studies tell us that second and third marriages end at a much higher rate than first marriages. And I believe that's because couples come into their second and third marriages many times with baggage from their first marriage. So it's like you start with a bunch of crap to begin with, and then you add the crap in the new relationship. It is just too much. Come on now. Leave all the baggage from your first marriage. If, if If it turned bad, just leave it before you get into the new relationship. And so, uh, yeah, all right. Also, oh, I wanna say something, because I noticed this with my sister. I know sometimes when people experience divorce, the thought of even getting into another relationship is just like not even on the radar. In other words, they lose hope. And I, I wanna say to you, don't lose hope. Don't give up. There are good people out there with good hearts who will love you the way you ought to be loved and treat you the way you ought to be treated. Don't give up. Don't lose hope. Final question. What if I'm married but we're struggling? The first, first thing I would say is remove divorce from the table. Unless what's involved is some serious stuff like adultery, abandonment, or abuse, In those cases, I think divorce can be on the table, and you you can consider that. But other than that, don't remove it from the table because otherwise you will not deal with the painful issues that will actually make your marriage stronger. When you come to times of conflict, when they're not these serious issues that I just mentioned, if you will work through them, it actually makes your bond stronger than it was before. So take it off the table. Secondly, resolve your issues productively. And if you need help, do it. Look, I've gone to marriage counseling before. Try to get my wife fixed, right? You know? (laughs) Right? That's what you always think when you go to counseling, right? I had to deal with my stuff, right? All I'm saying to you is I've been to marriage counselors at least two seasons in our marriage. It's okay to admit you need help. Come on. And then, you know, if that's not the thing for you, we also offer a marriage program on Wednesday nights at 7. And it's a place where you deal with 16 different key areas of marriage. You, you're, you can work through these issues with trained facilitators who themselves have been through the program, needed the program, and now are there to serve you and help you. And so you can show up on Wednesday nights at 7, or you can stop by the center pavilion when you leave and find out more information. But Do something to help resolve this season of crisis productively. And above all, recommit to your marriage covenant. Remember why you got married in the first place. And if you will stand on the promises that you made in front of God, he will bless you. And when you come out the other side, you'll be glad that you stayed committed to the covenant you made. Now, City Church is a loving community where divorced couples and married couples can find hope and healing in Christ. And that is how we thrive. And I wanted to end with a story that I hope will inspire you not to give up. I became friends with Ken and Vonnie uh, when I was their pastor in Virginia. We became pretty close and 
they had been married for about 10 years. They had uh, two children, you know, before they got married to each other. So they, they had previous spouses and then they had two kids together. So it was a second marriage for both. But they came to a place where their marriage was in crisis. And they had already separated by the time I found out what was going on. And I asked Ken and Vani if I could share their story with you. And so Vani gave me permission. And these are her words. It's hard to remember what started the whole thing. Struggling finances. Too many kids too early. Second marriages for both of us. Emotional illness, selfishness, sin, hard to say now, but it's easy to see our marriage was deeply in trouble and it was taking a horrible toll on our family and on us. Daily screaming matches led to cold, silent days and nights. Our kids were drowning in insecurity. We were sinning against our family and we weren't listening to each other. We weren't even listening to our kids. So our kids called Pastor Brent and asked him to intervene. And he sat us down and said, in effect, you have to stop treating each other like this. It was actually a lot meaner than that, so they're nicing it up for you. But we didn't have a clue how to stop the madness. We struggled through several years of counseling and talking and healing. We learned many practical truths to help us deal with our wounded emotions and to teach us how to communicate and how to heal. But through the years, I have discovered that the key was always God. I found that I needed to take my eyes off of myself, off of Ken, and focus only on God. I learned that marriage is love in action, not a feeling. So every morning, I would wake up and I would decide that day to be married. Then I would act like it. I, it had nothing to do with me feeling in love with my husband. It had everything to do with me being in love with God. I had to focus on the power and sovereignty of God. I had to pray for my husband. And it's hard to stay mad at the man you're praying for. I also had to confess my sins and seek reconciliation. I had to give up what I wanted and choose what God wanted. That was nearly 25 years ago. I'm not saying there were not real problems that nearly caused our marriage to explore, explode. I'm not saying that we don't have problems now. But I do know that my relationship with God is more important than my relationship with my husband. And there is a miracle in that alignment. The closer I get to God, the closer I get to Ken. And that's my prayer for you. That's how you thrive in life. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, just to be honest, we wrestle with this teaching. It, it's been confusing for a long time in the church. And we're, we're trying to, to understand what you meant so that we can truly honor your word. And so, Lord, first of all, I want to pray for those who have gone through a divorce or are going through a divorce. I pray that your spirit would minister to them now. I pray that you would restore within their hearts a vision of a future, a bright future, a good future for them, despite the pain they're feeling right now. 
I pray that you would instill in their hearts hope. And then, Lord, empower us, this this loving grace community, to serve them and help them and to walk through this season with them. And then, Lord, I pray for the married couples who are represented here. Lord, I pray that your spirit would strengthen our resolve to be one, to pursue oneness together, and to do the hard work to build great marriages. We ask for your help. We ask for your grace. We ask for your wisdom and your love to help us along the way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.